Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to season three of the podcast. As some of you know, season three is starting a little later than season two did in 2021 and season one did in 2020. The reason why is that I took a sabbatical this summer from May through the end of July. But I'm back and I am so thrilled to be bringing you interviews and amazing insights from the guests on the show. Today's guest is Tina Strawn. And Tina is a joy and liberation advocate, activist, and the author of Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America, published by Row House Publishing. And it comes out in January 2023 and is available for pre-order now. The link can be found in the show notes. Please go out and order it. Tina is the owner and host of the Speaking of Racism podcast. The heart of her work is founding and leading legacy trips, immersive anti-racism experiences where participants visit historical locations such as Montgomery and Selma, Alabama, and utilize spiritual practices as tools to affect personal and collective change. Tina has three adult children, an ex-husband, an ex-wife, and an ex-country. She has been a full-time minimalist nomad since February 2020 and currently lives in Costa Rica. Tina travels the globe speaking, writing, teaching, and exploring where on the planet she can feel safe and free in her queer, black, woman-identifying body. Y'all, this interview is so good. It has been amazing to witness Tina find her freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode. Tina, it is so good to see you and to be in this space with you. Thanks for for joining me today. It's so good to see you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to and listen to and read. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited. I know we're gonna have a, a juicy, transformative conversation. Um, so thank you, and I'd love for you to share some about who you are, which is a big question. But like whatever you want to share at this time, whatever feels present in response to that question, love for love to begin there. Hmm. For the past year, I've been answering that question more in a place of first locating where I am and who I am in this moment in terms of how I'm feeling and, and what's really present that I want to name. And I think One of the biggest things is that I am a queer, black, minimalist nomad who is currently living in a sweet little town called Atenas, Costa Rica. And I spend most of my days in solitude and I'm trying to navigate the differences between solitude and isolation. Um, I am going through, (laughs) I think, some post-writer's depression, as well as um, entering or or really being very (laughs) immersed in perimenopause. And so, like, I, I know your audience obviously can't see me right now, but, like, I'm wrapped in a sarong because there's, like, this time of the day now where even though it doesn't get very hot here, it's a very lovely temperature. As a matter of fact, Atenas is known for having the best climate in the world. Um, El mejor de clima el mundo. Um, But, you know, recently it's been 
I get like, there's this two hour time frame of the day where I'm so hot and I don't want to wear clothes. So I would rather, you know, put on this sarong and come and talk to you than just give mm-hmm. you <laughs> the, the naked version of Tina doing a podcast. So I love but, that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, um, I am a mother to three adult children and I'm experiencing a lot of gratitude for where my journey has brought me in this moment. Um, and I think I'm just excited to talk about juicy stuff with you, like grief and healing and liberation and all the things. So that's a little bit about who I am and where I am right now. Thank you for sharing some about who you are, where you are right now, your process, and we're going to dive into more of that. I I do want to ask about your book. Before I do that, though, when you spoke about solitude and and isolation, it struck me. And so I'm I'm like curious to know what you're learning about your relationship to solitude, your experience of isolation, and the difference between the two. I would love for you to tell me <laughs> the differences because you know that's, that's actually what I'm I'm exploring that I'm learning about that I'm recognizing that I feel very drawn to be by myself and that has been such a nourishing and healing place for me but I'm also aware um, that even though I I am a, an introverted extrovert I'm an extroverted introvert and so. Um, what I'm noticing is uh, I the where I live right now, it's a little place called uh, Casita Calibri. That's the name of the little house that I'm renting here. And I will go days without leaving my the property without going anywhere. And I and I'm starting to notice and just pay attention to am I drawn to be with myself or am I withdrawing from others? And so I'm kind of learning that there is a difference there and what, where is the withdrawing, where is the withdrawing coming from? And is that something that is, is it, is it a protective thing? Is it an anxiety thing? Is it a, a, am I resisting interaction and community for reasons that uh, again, kind of fall underneath the is this some depression that I'm experiencing? Is this some aversion to, you know, whatever, because I, I, I'm a part of a lovely community of specifically black expats here. Um, and so I've made some good friends and we have a really good time. And also I, I just noticed that my desires sometimes to be around others, it seems like it gets smaller and smaller. And so it's just something that I'm noticing um, to the point where I want to be really intentional about making sure that I, you know, if it's been five, six days and I haven't seen a friend that I'm reaching out, that I'm going out. Right. Um, So I'm still, I'm still just learning kind of about those differences and, and just trying to be very aware of what is it that I'm feeling? Is it, is it a version? Is it, and kind of just being gentle with myself in that. So I just don't have all those answers. So I'm just seeking it. Well, thank you for, for sharing more about your experience and your questions around isolation and connection and withdrawing and doing that with intention and what that's about. And I did ask the question as if I knew the difference and I really don't (laughs) at all. And I think that's informed by my experience over the last two and a half years, I've had to isolate and work in such a different way. And I know that's true for many people and how that's felt may, it just may have landed differently, but it certainly shifted the cultural consciousness for folks to be like, we actually can't connect in the ways we connected before. And I imagine that has sort of influenced some of this question about solitude and isolation. And also you know, sovereignty and agency and the choices you've made about how you want to live your life. Just I've witnessed some of that from afar. And I also think that, you know, I was on a sabbatical for three months and really spent most of my time at home in my yard, like looking at my honeybees and gardening, tending the garden. And I saw some people during that time, but not many. And then after sabbatical re-entered and I just realized like people are a lot people are a lot. They need a lot of things. (laughs) I was like, people need a lot. 
<laughs> and I'm noticing that that feels different given, you know, now that I've had time to just be and be like, no, I'm not responding to your email. No, I'm not doing this thing. No. And it was set up. I've sort of come back out and been like, whoa, the needs that, that people have don't actually meet or match what I can offer because I'm making more intentional choices about my time and where I want to spend it. So I just named that because it came to me as you were sharing. And I'm thinking about the choices you've made about how to be, which feels very connected to your book, Are We Free Yet? Even just the title, right? And finding that liberation. So wanted to offer offer that. And what you said about writer writer's depression and maybe having that, that resonates deeply as well. And I'd love for you to share some about Are We Free Yet? And yeah, your journey, um, which is of course the book, but it's like your life. So, you know, you've, right. you've been on a journey, you've been in a process. And I'd love for you to tell us some about what sort of stands out about that and that link to your book and your writing process. Yeah, sure. I, and I really appreciate your mention that it's, it's been a journey and it's this book, but it's my life. And so I think I'm also experiencing some of the emotion of how the book is colliding with my life in the sense that it is this thing that is outside of my life. This book is something that I have spent the past oh year and a half working on writing. Uh, and again, the, the title and subtitle of the book is Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. And it, I, I started writing it in the middle of crisis, um, the middle of going through tremendous loss um, and um, experiencing a lot of personal things that were taking place in my life. Uh, first, my my wife unexpectedly leaving um, after we had decided to become nomads and travel the world. Um, and then my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, going through a mental health crisis. Um, and then the next thing uh, that affected me tremendously was George Floyd being killed. And those three incidents took place within three weeks of each other. And this is, as we all know, this was the, as far as when George Floyd was killed in May of 2020, it's right at the beginning of the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, we are experiencing collective suffering, And so I know, and and as you mentioned, we were forced into isolation, many of us um, forced some um, chosen others. And of course, while there's a global pandemic going on, our lives are going on also, right? Um, And and so, and that that was this around the time where I was also in the process of leaving the country and intentionally becoming a part of the Blacksit social movement. Um, and that word Blacksit, B-L-A-X-I-T. I always spell it because people can get it confused with Brexit or Blexit, mm-hmm. like a lot of variation. But this word is the combination of both the word Black and exit. And it references the resurgence of um, Black folks, Black Americans in particular, who are choosing to exit the United States, leave, become expats, either partially or primarily due to systemic institutionalized racism. And this is, uh, again, you know, the timing of it was, uh, I won't say bad, I was going to say unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I I actually am really grateful, but it's, you know, beginning my Blacksit journey in the summer of 2020, which is, you know, which is when that took place. This is what the book is about. (laughs) The book is, Mm -hmm. is this personal reflection, as well as a collective examination of the ways that we relate to um, systems of oppression, such as white supremacy, capitalism, and the patriarchy, while being really intentional about centering tools for liberation, such as grieving and healing and peace and pleasure and joy and celebration and community and and connection. And so that's why referencing that this is a book that I've written, it's this separate thing, but it's also this journey that I've lived the past couple of years, right? Um, so the summer of 2020, when every, well, not everyone took to the streets, but when outraged, loving people 
um, responded to um, George Floyd being killed. And at that time, it wasn't just about George Floyd. We had just experienced Breonna Taylor being killed. We had just watched the viral video of Ahmaud Arbery go, you know, being hunted down and murdered in Georgia. So as a Black community in particular, and then as the nation, and then as the planet, and, and all across the globe, we were experiencing and we were being visually impacted by um, you know, Black trauma porn, um, which mm-hmm. is just referencing all of the, the death um, that was circulating online, very available, um, too available in my opinion. Uh, you know, we were, we were just inundated with it and overwhelmed and also trying to figure out how we're going to survive this pandemic. And again, and then our personal lives are going on all this, the same time. So for me uh, at that time, I was also moving out of the country and not knowing what that would look like in this new world of life after and life with COVID. So um, I, I moved to Jamaica in July of 2020 and That's where I spent almost a year um, being very intentional about grieving, taking the time and the space um, to grieve and, and, and kind of creating what that needed to look like for me. So very similar to what you did when you were on hiatus for three months, I went on hiatus and decided that when it was time to return to work, you know, I, I use the air quotes because my decision was also to kind of keep that same hiatus energy. And again, turning away from some of the white supremacist and and capitalist things that require us to stay overworked and everything is urgent and everything is sensation-less and breathless. And so taking the time to be really intentional about feeling and crying and moving my body and being out in nature and, and just feeding myself with things that were going to heal my heart and restore my soul and, and kind of bring me back. Um, and so as well as diving into this larger piece of my identity, right? So my most salient identities are queer and black mm-hmm. and woman as well as ex-wife. I have an ex-husband, I have an ex-wife, and this is the part that really comes out. And this is where the book um, really focuses on is having an ex-country. What does it mean to be um, someone who is an activist as well as um, an American and getting to this point where I said, I'm I'm done. I'm not gonna continue to live like this, I believe that um, I should live a life of peace, that black folks should have lives of peace and agency. And that was not something that I felt I was receiving um, in the States. And then there was my decision to make this radical change to be like, I'm, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm not doing this anymore. And finding this community of thousands and thousands and thousands of black people, black Americans all over the world that are doing this. And, and that is, that's really the meat of the book. And the heart of the book is talking about how our relationships are complex. Um, and, and I, of course, use the marriage relationship and the experience of divorce um, to kind of talk about what it has felt like coming to a place where as a queer black woman American, I needing to recognize that this is a toxic relationship that I was having with the US and that I was making a decision to choose myself and leaving. So that's the book. Uh, That's why I'm here in, in Costa Rica. I've lived here now for seven months. And I honestly, Michelle, don't know when I'm going back to the States. So um, what I know is that I wrote this book, uh, finished this book and uh, finished it this past um, earlier this summer. And so just to kind of bring it back to just kind of you know, the depression, um, you know, because you've written books that there is a, a, a down letting or, a, you know, a letdown, so to speak, um, of it, I relate it to postpartum depression right now, which I experienced that. Um, with 
um, two of my uh, three pregnancies. And after I, I had my last two kids, I, I experienced some post both postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. So like I'm familiar with there, there is um, after you carry this mm-hmm. project, this child, this, whatever we call it, this, this book, and, you know, then giving birth to it and it's going to be out in the world where it's going to, it takes on a life of its own, just like my children. Um, and I can't control what happens. And I, I, you know, I, as well as the fact that it, it took so much out of me. Um, I say, I talk about how writing the book broke my heart, but it also put my heart back together again. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions and I'm trying to be grateful for all of it and also be honest about how, oh no, this is, this is, this is really hard some days. This is really hard some days. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing um, so much about your life, your journey, your, the process of moving through a space of grief, which I imagine is still present, but maybe different in some ways through a process of grieving and really committing to yourself to find freedom and peace. I mean, these are things that are part of our birthright. So I appreciate you sharing that and the, and the process of like birthing something, a book, a being and bringing it into the world. And then that book, that being is going to do what it, what it wants to do. Right. And the letting go. Yes. That, so. that has to happen when we, I mean, just as part of the process, I feel like, so I appreciate you speaking to, to that as well. And I feel like you have been in many ways open about grief and pleasure. And this, I'm going to say this is from like reading your social media, right? Like that, but we're going to share a fair amount. Um, And so it's not as if I've had a hundred conversations with you about this, but it is like the witnessing that has happened. And I really want to uplift that the process of like remembering freedom or finding freedom isn't without pain, (laughs) And um, what you were speaking about related to grief. And and it makes me really curious about, and what you named about the, the book, writing it broke your heart, but also pieced your heart back together, right? Like, I'm curious to know how grief is showing up for you now, even as you're not in the, the US and have made this conscious decision to be part of a movement of Black Americans to become expats and leave you're still witnessing it. You're still connected to it. And I'm, and there may be other personal grief too, but I'm curious to know like how grief is moving through now. And then I'm going to come back to liberation because we know they're linked together. Absolutely. You know, the way that grief is showing up for me now is actually in terms of being an American and recognizing that it doesn't matter what country I move to expatriate to, I am American. I am seen in Jamaica, even though I have black skin and I have the locks. And so when Jamaicans see me, you know, it's Empress or, you know, there's an, there's an, there is an immediate association there. But then when I open my mouth, it is very clear that I'm American. Right. And the same here in Costa Rica. So that, that was, um, that's a part of my grieving process too, as far as what does it mean to be an American who is left? What does it mean and look like to be an American who still has a tremendous amount of privilege because I have that blue passport and I have, and the US dollar being what it is in a a capitalist world where Jamaica being a poor country, Costa Rica also when we, in comparison to the extraordinary wealth of the United States um, and all of the ways that the U.S. has exploited people and and land and things to be where they are um, in terms of on the global scene. Um, And my association with that and my desire to both separate from that and also the realities that I, I won't be able to separate all the way, right? And, And that presents itself now for me in a different way, almost like, for example, as we're, um, you know, 
I, as I'm paying attention to what's going on in the States, because I'm not removed completely, mm-hmm. right? I, that, that will never be the case because there were, there will always be um, a, a connection that I have to the U S my children um, still live there um, as well as friends and, and loved ones. So there's never going to be this complete disconnect. Right. So um, as I'm watching things that, um, are taking place. So the way that the economy and, or I'm air quoting inflation, mm-hmm. right? corporate greed and what's taking place and listening to folks again in the States in particular, not that this isn't happening across the, the, the world in various ways, but listening to gas prices going up, being aware of rental costs in particular going up um, in the States um, and um, being aware of, you know, what's happening with the student loan situation? Is it going to get, you know, and, and watching the Biden administration not do near enough um, with regards to student loan and the, the, which would affect tremendously the racial wealth gap, watching what's just like my watching and recognizing that there are, that we are in um, election season for many states. And then we're running, we're moving into getting into the presidential election and um, or, or it's, um, presidential election season. Right. And wondering what the fuck is going to happen with that. Cause right. I'm, I don't know. Like, so, so it's, it's as though I'm all, I'm being kind of pulled in a little bit more, even though I'm not even there. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I feel there is a grieving in and an acceptance that though I have left, this is still who I am. And where is, how do I reconcile that? And what does that look like? So that's, that's just an example. A friend of mine, uh, last month, I decided that I was going to be intentional about kind of stepping away from social media for the month. I wasn't completely successful, um, with stepping away all completely, but I did, you know, take a lot of time back and I wanted to be more intentional about doing things that I really wanted and needed to do that were going to nourish me and my soul. I wanted to focus more on building and creating queer community. I wanted to spend more time um, in my spiritual community meditation um, group with um, the Liberated uh, Life Network, which is Rev Angel's community um, and being more present there. So a friend of mine and I decided we were going to start reading Finding Refuge together. Um, And what I realized and what came up for me in that, which I wasn't expecting, And it was so, it was very, it's very beautiful and powerful is all of the layers of our ancestry and all of the layers of the generational pain, um, the the familial pain that I have experienced. And some of the things I thought that I had made peace, made my peace with, right? Like, for example, my father disowned me about five years ago for being gay. And so that's an example of something that I thought that I've worked through. There's been a lot of therapy. There's been a lot of, you know, just acknowledging and, and letting go and all of, and, and forgiveness on my end in terms of, you know, he's got a, we make our choices. I can't force myself to be in his life, all of these things. And listening to, I, um, again, I'm a minimalist. So having actual books is not my jam, mm-hmm. my jam is audio books. So listening to your voice, um, as you go through very vulnerably, so many of your personal experiences and, um, difficulties in your relationships with family members, with your father, with, um, as well as with your, you know, spouses and like it, I, I just don't think I was prepared for, the ancestry work, <laughs> which is not something I've done very much of, but that feels very much like that is kind of a part of the next phase of my healing is that there, which I have been very aware of my, the ancestral presence. And I've been, and, and I'm very aware that I am drawn to, and this is again, that, that, that solitude versus isolation. I just want to be sitting out on my patio, looking at the, and watching the birds for hours all day and watching the sky change and the cloud, like that's, I just feel this, can we just, I just want to be a cat. You know what I'm saying? I'm aspiring to be, I'm not a spot like that's, and, and just recognizing that that is this, this is the next part of my inner work and inner healing. Um, and 
being so open to, okay, I'm ready. I'm here. I've mm-hmm. made significant radical life changes to get to this place where air quotes, I feel free. And there's actually a lot of deep inner work that is still taking place that still needs to take place that is going to be always taking place. So it's that it's, (laughs) I was joking with a friend um, (laughs) about, and we were, um, and also we talk about this kind of in our meditation community where I just sometimes want to be like, I'm done. I don't want to do growth anymore. I don't want to like, it's like another fucking growth opportunity. I'm done trying to, to, you know, fight the demons and break the generational curses. Can I just go back to sleep? Can I just turn it off? Cause it just feels like when I get to one level or a progression or what feels like a progression in my healing, it's like, bam, here's the next thing. And So that's, I guess, a little taste of kind of where I am with the grief right now. It's, it's just popping up and it's just reminding me that, that I've got to, I need to stay present. I want to stay present. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't really mean that I don't want to, but I also very much mean I'm, this is, it's, it's hard work. Grieving is hard work. Being intentional about grieving is hard work. Being intentional about healing and not bringing all of our baggage into our, our future in the ways that we were being reckless before and harmful to ourselves and to others, right? That's the purpose of it. So it's not so that I can live in some utopia of isolation. It's actually so I can be better in community with others. And it's though that's been challenging. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, I appreciate everything you named and what you just named about growth work. And it's not easy and grieving, not an easy process, and it's ongoing, and how doing your work, and it's multi-layered and complex, and how doing your work actually allows you to show up for yourself and in community in a much more intentional whole way is what I heard right then. Um, yes. I heard a lot of other things as well. And and I think that's such an important thing to name and sort of insight and awareness as we think about how we get free, as we think about how we want to be with one another, as we think about transformation and and what we need to prioritize to actually transform collectively. And I I really resonate what you named resonated about, like, it's just hard. It's hard to, to be awake to some of our like traumas and then to be like, oh, and actually now that I'm awake, I have to deal with it. Like that's not, not an easy thing to do. And I, I also want to name, like, I have some resources that help me do that. Other, that other folks don't have available. Um, I have had that sort of benefit and continue to. Um, and I, I also, what you named about grief and, you know, feeling as if, oh, I'm done with that. Right. Like I've done that work. And then it pops back up that, that, I feel like is the experience of life and grief and lessons, at least in my experience, but that it can feel surprising or shocking. Like, oh, I thought I had worked through that. And then the pattern reemerges and it's like, oh, actually there's more work to do. That that to me describes the human experience, you know, like what it is to be human and just normalizing that for people. I'm glad that you, you named that. And, and as you described wanting to like be a cat and like watch the birds. It made me think about in the ancestor work, it really made me think about how we are living ancestors. And so part of what I I heard in that is the sort of content, it's like preparation to be an ancestor, but we're also living ancestors and how you want to spend that time, like what you want to do. Maybe it is watching the birds. Mine might be, I'm going to watch the honeybees forever. Can I watch them fly in and out? And transformation is happening on some level because of that. But it's like, I just appreciate um, the ancestor work that is about healing back, healing our line and the ancestor work that we can do in the present. And and then the connection with how we'll be regarded as ancestors once we transition. So I'm glad you brought that in. And I want to talk some about, we have been talking about freedom and liberation and and I want to say and through witnessing some of your process and you, you know, you're sharing about your process of pleasure and joy and connection. I've been like, Tina is getting free. Like I felt that <laughs> I felt, and I've been like, what's happening like that. I mean, I have a lot of admiration from what I've witnessed 
and for you and from what I've witnessed in your process and the like um, allowance of pleasure and joy and connection. That's how, how I've sort of felt that because like we're deserving of that. And so like witnessing someone model out loud in so many ways, what that looks like has just, I've, it's, I think it's just really transformative and I'm glad that you've modeled it out loud in the ways that I've been able to witness. And so I'd love for you to talk about, and I know this, these are some of the pillars in the, in, in your book, are we free yet? Love for you to talk about liberation and pleasure and joy and connection that exist alongside the grief um, and the dissonance and the questions that you have about your, your journey and process. Yeah. So the first, uh, the, the book, is broken up into four parts. And the first part is grief and healing. And so the first part of the book is really, really heavy. Some might say dark. Um, this is when, and, and then the next part is peace and pleasure. Um, I, I, I talk about how, um, I actually, I, I, I want to read it specifically because I don't want to mess it up. It's my words, but I still want to know exactly yes. how I say it. Um, liberation is ultimately a celebration of our deepest humanity and our fight for it must include a deeper examination of how we relate to oppressive systems while centering our joy and our peace and our pleasure. And I, a a big piece of the joy and the pleasure that I began to not only seek, but be protective of and like, and, and demanding that my life will have, will have, I will live a life of joy. I will live a life of pleasure that actually started in the spring of 2020, where I was kind of in the heat of, and the heart of my anti-racism work in the sense of, I remember that when the pandemic hit, I was already doing a lot of work virtually. And of course, for so many folks who were doing obviously in-person things, everybody, you know, kind of went online. Zoom is just, is we, we, here we are. (laughs) And we're all in these, these virtual spaces. And I remember I was working so hard. I was leading like restorative, transformative bail webinars, and I'm leading virtual screenings and discussions of HBO's documentary, True Justice, Brian Stevenson's Fight for Equality. And I'm collaborating with other, um, you know, activists and um, educators and facilitators in the racial and social justice space, you included, right? And, you know, and I'm working on my legacy trips. And I just got to a point, and again, now we're, we're still being hit with the onslaught of, of Black folks being killed at the hands of white supremacy. And I just remember going, we're going to let fighting this kill us if we don't come to a different place. And I remember at the point where I started experiencing those personal tragedies and then George Floyd was killed and it seemed like the world turned upside down in, in, in many ways um, with regards to in, in what I was experiencing, what I'll talk, I'll speak to myself uh, for myself in, in the sense of it felt like white folks were coming out of the woodworks at asking all these questions and wanting, all of a sudden there's all of this interest and emotion and all of this. And it it just felt so overwhelming. And I just, I got to this place where I made a decision that I'm not going to let fighting white supremacy kill me the way that it killed our ancestors. Like, what are we, there's gotta be, I I just, I, I felt that for me and in my work, I was centering more the thing that I didn't want. Like that was, that was, where all of the energy and attention was going to, we're fighting, we're, we're, and, and, and I was about to go into, we should fight. Of course we should fight, but there are ways to, that we need to be fighting that we need to also be mindful and aware of our ancestors didn't die so that we could have freedoms air quotes that still are causing us to kill ourselves because we're, we're trying to fight against everything. There's just, it's just, it's just all struggle, constant struggle. And which is now bringing me to thinking about this is the liberation that came in Angela Davis's quote and book, um, freedom is a constant struggle. So if, I, if our, if our fight and our, our striving towards freedom, towards liberation 
is centered in joy and pleasure, I'm going to always be able to, or I'm going to always, I'm going to use a map in a sense to identify where am I, where's joy and where, where can I experience joy? Where can, where can I feel joy? Where does joy show up? Where is there peace? Where am, and how am I incorporating pleasure or am I just so caught up in grind culture, which is a part of white supremacy that we are constantly out this output of labor, right? This, these are all the ways that we understand we have to operate in these breathless modes in order for capitalism to function and to work uh, and, and for white supremacy to continue to work, right? So in what ways can I fight that, that are, that's actually going to be honoring of our ancestors and honoring of the lives that we have, our precious black lives. If we continue to say and scream and demand that black lives matter, am I living in my, my black life in a way that I understand that my life matters? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in what ways can I push that beyond the black experience is struggle and go, no, actually it's, it's not my, my identity as a black American isn't struggle. That is a real part of being black in America, but that's not who we are. That's not who are, that's not where we came from. That's not where we're going. It's not what we want to leave the legacy that we leave behind. Right. So then it was like, well, what if I flip this and what if I, I, I center my joy and that really, is, and my peace. And that really is what kind of led me to find the black sit community is black folks that were just saying, we have found peace outside of the States that we never found and never experienced inside. Um, and that is not to say that it can't be found in the States. It can be, and but we can, we absolutely have to employ all methods any method for us to find freedom wherever we are, wherever Mm -hmm. our feet, whatever land our feet are on. Right. And for me, the Blacksit community feels so much like the new underground railroad. Um, As I'm listening, as we share stories with one another about our, our getting free stories. And it's been remarkable. It's been remarkable knowing that I, have had the opportunity to go to a couple of different countries and land here, knowing that black folks are here and that they are living lives where they are thriving. And that, and I want that for myself. And I want that for any other black person who wants that for themselves as well. And so I really love and appreciate how you're reflecting back to me about how you're like, I don't know what Tina's over there doing, but she's getting free and she's having a good time. And she's like, just immersing herself in, in joy and pleasure. And that is, that's just what my getting free journey has looked like being Mm -hmm. very insistent that I will, and I am living a life of, of joy because we deserve that. We do. It's so good. Just hearing you talk about more about your journey and, and your commitment to your joy and peace and like you're unwavering about that. That's what I hear. I just so appreciate you and, and that, and again, I think it's like modeling out loud, right. And not being confined by the constraints of, of white supremacy, although it's, it's still, it's trying to persist, right. But like not allowing your life to be defined by that white supremacy, the patriarchy, capitalism, figuring out another way, which when you said the black community um, movement is reminding you of the underground um, railroad that comes to my, like that existed outside of the constraints of what white supremacy had put in place for us as black people. <laughs> so, and, and there are many examples of that, how we like dream outside the system. So just a reminder that we, we are, and can continue to dream outside of these systems, even though we're still a part of them and influenced, impacted by them. And I have, I think I have one more um, question, although I want to like keep talking to you. Um, and it is about your dream for, so again, the book is obviously more than a book, but my question is going to be about your dream for the book, which is a body of work and your journey and experience. So it might be a dream for yourself. That might be how you answer it. What is a dream or hope you hold for Are We Free Yet? As it is available for pre-order now and will be out in the world in January. Like what's your 
dream and and sort of vision. Um, and I ask this question so that we can, like the listeners and myself, we can hold the dream and vision with you. That's where the question's coming from. It's a beautiful question. Thank you. The book is a memoir style guidebook. So my hope and vision for this book is that it lands in the hands of the folks and, and black folks in particular and queer black women and femmes and non-binary folks in particular, that they will feel seen in this, that they will feel inspired to create their own radical strategies to get themselves free. That's it. I love it. You're very clear about your dream and your vision. Um, (laughs) I mean, I imagine you've thought about it, but you know, being asked the question, you know, I've thought about it and I know it and it comes out differently each time I say it, I think. Um, and, and I will, but, and I'll add that the other piece, because if folks, I, this book is for people that are in different racial and gender, um, identities and locations. So it also is that, that folks will be able to see themselves. So that's the Mm -hmm. primary audience, right? But that others who love um, America, others who love Black people will also be able to see themselves and look at how and, and, and really examine in what ways am I relating to oppressive systems? In what ways am I centering tools for liberation? And how radical can I be with that? Like it, it's a, it, it, I mentioned, I talk about it being the new underground railroad as far as the black social movement, because it is the, it is not very mainstream yet. Like it's happening. And, but I'm still meeting people regularly when I ask them, have you heard of Blacksit? And the answer is no. What, do you, what is that? And when I explain it, people are still like, what? Um, and then when I, you know, kind of connect them with some resources and go to this page and follow this group and listen to this podcast, you know, it's opening and expanding people's minds that I've, you know, when we, what we hear, what I, what we hear black folks say, um, often we're not a monolith, but this is a, um, a you know, a, something that I hear a lot is I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. I hate it here. And to know that there are resources and there are people that are taking that sentiment and just going, well, what would it look like? What could it look like for me to leave? The reality is there's two realities. One, everyone is not going to want to leave. All black folks do not want to leave the the States. That's one. And two, leaving the States is not some magical antidote that erases racism and white supremacy. Anti-blackness is global. So I just want to be clear about those two things. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, there are black people that want to leave. And I remember the very first, one of the very first um, influencers that I began to follow back, I want to say in 2018, 17 or 18, is a, a young black woman who is formerly incarcerated and her, and she moved to Vietnam. And she has a story where um, she's like, I have the, like the challenges that we know come along with the prison industrial complex and mass incarceration and what happens to a disproportionately large number of black Americans who are inside of the criminal justice system and what happens even after getting out of prison or jail or whatever, how, how their lives are impacted. And um, it is still incredibly difficult to get ahead. Right. And, and so listening to her story and her sharing how she was thriving in Vietnam of all places to the point where that was my first intentional Blacksit destination was Vietnam. I I followed her. I was like, I I think her um, handle is black digital nomad. She's not in Vietnam anymore, but back then she was. And so initially my decision was, I want to go and join the, the growing black expat community in Vietnam. And then when COVID hit and Vietnam's borders closed. And so that's actually what prevented me from going to Vietnam. That's what made me go to Jamaica because Jamaica's borders were open. So anyway, all of this to say, that's what I hope this book does, that it makes people see that there is where there's a will, there's a way. 
um, and that there are black folks that are that are doing this and it doesn't and that is black folks across all different socioeconomic paths as well so um, and, and places as well so yeah that's a little bit about what I'm hoping for this for the book mm-hmm. thank you for for being who you are and for birthing laboring and birthing this book and moving through your journey and thank you for taking time to be here with me in this way today and I can't wait to like see the dream that you hold for are we free yet come to fruition thank Thank you you so much I appreciate it thank you good to be with you good to be with you as well thank you so much for listening to this episode of finding refuge If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, Yoga and Social Justice. I offer monthly movement and meditation practices, as well as a monthly divination reading. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book coming out in April of 2023. We Heal Together, Rituals and Practices for Building Community and Connection. It is currently available for pre-order And you can go to the Penguin Random House website, search Michelle Johnson or We Heal Together, and pre-order my book. There are several spaces you can pre-order it from. Thank you so much, and take care.